Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Welcome to Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad Performance Series, your official Ironman medical supplier. I'm Mike Riley, everybody, and we've got a very special guest on today. But this podcast is about you being able to find your finish line, not only at a race or an event, but every day in life. We have to find our finish line on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, every year in order to move forward. We know that big lesson in life of finishing what you start is what it's all about. Hopefully this podcast can help you get to your next finish line. Let's get started with our very special guest. Derek is a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer survivor and heart transplant recipient and will take you on that journey with this podcast. Plus, he's a six-time Ironman finisher, but best of all, he's a dad and a husband. Derek, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Mike. How about yourself? I am fantastic. And you know what? It seems just like yesterday in 2013, you were coming down that finish chute for your very first Ironman in Lake Placid. It goes by quick, doesn't it? It, it, it's a blink. And uh, yeah, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> well, I'm going to come back to that Lake Placid race in a little bit. But everybody, you know, at 30 years old, Derek was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And after the tumor was surgically removed, he had to go through chemo. It was in his intestinal area. So chemotherapy was the only thing he could do. But a few months after that chemo ended, he began having trouble walking and breathing was difficult. But, you know, before we get for the reasons why, Derek, you weren't exactly in the greatest shape of your life during that time, were you? No, no, I was a couch potato. I was overweight, out of shape. You know, uh, I, I, I was doing everything I could not to be physically active. Was it, what, did you not grow up in sports or, I mean, you, you were, somebody was working too much or what? Well, yeah, no, I, I grew up playing soccer. Um, but you know, at, at the time, uh, right as I was be, uh, I was, the, the tumor was growing inside me and, and, uh, I was putting all my time and efforts and energies into my career. And I kind of said, well, you know what, you know, you, you get that mindset when you're that age that you're invincible and you're going to live forever and you don't really need to take care of yourself. And as I look, as I look back at the pictures from those times, I mean, I was just, inflating you know my 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 face was swollen and then i looked back at some of the pictures of me wearing like a button-down shirt and the the gut i mean the the buttons were popping on my gut little did i know that there was a, a grapefruit the size of a tumor growing inside me but there was like fat on top of that which you know made things harder to diagnose i i just it's hard for me to picture you like that because i've known you ever since obviously you came through that finish line in 2013, but you've made an amazing, you said chemotherapy saved your life, but unfortunately it killed your heart. Your journey of having that transplant on January 2nd, way back in 2011, I don't have to mention that, you know, you've cheated death a couple of times. Uh, I probably don't have to mention that you cherish life every day, but what I really want to know, and I'm sure everybody else does too, Derek, what the heck did you learn by this? What's, what's your biggest lesson? Wow. Biggest lesson. Uh, you know what? I, you, 
I did die twice in my journey. And there's been there. I, I spent almost a decade lying in bed, not able to breathe, not able to do anything. And, and during that journey between cancer and heart failure leading up to transplant. And I had everything that I love to do in life taken away from me, mm-hmm. where my whole world was kind of confined to the bed that I was in. And, you know, everything that I thought I loved to do that I thought made me who I was, was taken away until it was just wondering every night before I went to, you know, close my eyes to go to sleep, if I would wake up the next day and if I would get another shot at another day. And <clears throat> for me, it, it was, it was an experience that I will never forget. I mean, I close, you talk about closing your eyes and and, you know, it was 2013, crossing the finish line at Ironman Lake Placid. But for me, I close my eyes and I'm still confined in that bed. And so for me, it is, I, I'm 10 years out from my heart transplant right now. And that, that was January, uh, yeah, January 3rd, right? So uh, January 3rd. 2011 to 2021, got 10 years, another 100 days into 2021. So I'm 3,700 days into living with another human being's heart beating inside my chest. And for me, it's a matter of earning what I've been given and making sure that I'm giving back, making sure that I'm not taking any, any day, not taking any moment for granted and and when I put my head down on my pillow at night, knowing that I've given everything I possibly could to earn the gift. For, for me, I mean, it's, I've, I've been so incredibly fortunate, so incredibly lucky. I mean, just under 12 million people died in the United States alone between 2003 and, and 2011 uh, when I was going through my cancer and heart failure journey of cancer and heart disease. I come out the other side of that and I'm, I'm doing Ironman triathlon and I have a kid. And so it's, I know that I can never repay what I've been given. I can never earn what I've been given, but it's about trying. And, and that's what I wake up every day, every day trying to do. It's almost amazing how, Life, you know, they say the old curveballs are thrown your way, but think about it. You had to go through cancer, chemotherapy, and a heart transplant to all of a sudden realize that, you know, I've got to not take life for granted. Uh, Sometimes the lessons for some people are much bigger than they are for others. You know, what's amazing, too, you had to wait so long because, you know, the oxygen, uh, oxygenate, dated blood through your body was at about 18%, and a healthy person's at, what, like 50%, 60%. But as bad as that condition was, you couldn't get a heart until you were lower at 17%. So they put you on drugs, and you had a pacemaker. What, what did they try to make you sicker? No, they, they tried to make me better. They, they Basically, Mike, at that point, they say, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to help try and improve your diet. We're going to give you medications. We're going to uh, try to get you more active and we're going to try and get 
that oxygenation ratio in your blood higher. Now, there's no cure for what you have. And what you thought was going to be your life is not going to be what you thought it was. Um, <clears throat> what you had planned for your future, you probably won't see. So if there's anything that you need to do to get right in this world, then you, sh you should do that now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Because guys like you go like that. But then you went through... You went through seven years of heart failure before, before the transplant. You, that's crazy. It's, it's insane. But there are more people who need transplants than there are organs available. So the way the whole organ donation system works is that, is that you have to be the worst of the worst in the, in the worst condition to get a shot. And, and there's so many things that have to line up, the, the planets have to align. And, and you know, uh, we all have to go sometime, but you have to find the, that person who's a match for you that fits with, that fits with you, not just uh, physically, but the size of the body. The, the, you know, everything has to line up to the point where, you know, everybody has that picture in their head of, of the doctor running with the little igloo, yeah. you know, the, 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 the cooler with the heart inside it. And they literally run that into the OR, another team has opened up your chest, cracked your chest open to see if they open up the igloo, they look at your, your chest cavity to see if it's going to be a match. That's how close it has to get for them to say, yep, this is, this is going to be this heart in this person. And if it's not a match, they can call it off while you're sedated, while you're opened up and you wake up from that surgery and they go, sorry. Wow. Let's, let's, let's back up a little bit because, and I want to talk about the mental aspect of what Derek Fitzgerald did mentally, you know, he, he, through your life, you, you bounce back after, you know, you got fired from a job, you, you, you went through a divorce, you, you started a new family, you became a dad, you know, you found success in businesses. You conquered the toughest single day event we, we have as Iron Man. But you just don't do those things because you say you want to do them. What do you think was your biggest mental building block for you to be able to go through ups and downs, ups and downs for such a long period of time? Dude, how did you, how did you keep yourself mentally sane? Well, I don't claim to be sane at all. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I also know that I've never been promised anything and that includes tomorrow. So, you know, my goal is to make the most of what I have today. And if that is, or at, for, for a long time, that was struggling to breathe, you know, fighting to stay alive, um, you know, at, at my worst, I was sleeping for 23 hours a day, and my body was atrophying. Um, so for me, it was, all right, I'm going to close my eyes. Hopefully I wake up. you know. And if I wake up and I open my eyes, then I go, all right, I'm still here. I got another shot. And I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor that has just continued throughout my life is... is I'm still here. I'm still kicking. I still got a shot. And 
um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that kind of get caught up in, you know, maybe they're, they're great athletes and, you know, they crash, you know, they have a crash, they have an injury of some kind and they keep comparing right. themselves to where they were in their best shape ever. You know, for the month of January of 2011, I had completely atrophied. I had gone through the, the heart transplantation uh, surgery, which is the equivalent of being hit by a Mack truck. I spent the month of January trying to lift my head an inch off of a pillow. Now that, you know, if I could get it up, if I could get my head up an inch off the pillow, that was victory for me. And the next day was, can I get a little higher than an inch? And then that was victory. So, you know, I, I found those mini finish lines. I mean, you, you went through more finish lines before you finished that first Ironman than most of us will ever think about. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not about beating the best that you've ever been. It's about beating where you were the day before and just continuing to build off of those small victories. I can't imagine that every time you opened your eyes, it was your realization that you were still among us. I mean, to go through that on a daily basis for such a long period of time, uh, you, you you have to be one of the tough, toughest guys I know. I mean, because sometimes we wake up and we're bitching and moaning about the day and we haven't been up for five minutes, you know? Uh, so it, it gives a perspective of, of uh, don't bitch and moan. <laughs> don't bitch and moan. You, you know what? There are... <sighs> The sad truth of the matter is that there are people out there that have it worse than you, that people have it worse than me. You know, it, whatever you've got going on in your world, there are people out there who have it worse. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do a lot of speaking. I talk to a lot of folks and I hear their stories. And and one time I was asked by this, this, this young woman, uh, she was in her early teens, and she asked me, how do you keep going? And originally I thought she meant, you mean like in an Ironman, how do you keep going? She's like, no, like, how do you keep living? And it gets me every time I think about it. Because here was a girl who was suffering, worse off than me, who had been told time and time and time again that her life was not going to be a long life for her was not going to be in the cards. And this, this young, beautiful person. And, and I, I, I looked at her and, and I said, listen, you know, you've, you've got something going on with you physically, but what happens if, Let's just say for the sake of argument that you're told that you know that you have 24 hours left to live. That's it. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? And I said, are you going to go run up to your bedroom and close all the shades and turn off all the lights and pull the blankets up to your neck and say, that's it. I'm going to cry for the rest of my 24 hours. I said, no, you're not going to do that. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit. It's going to hit hard but you're going to recover and you're going to realize that you only have 24 hours left and you're going to get up and you're going to get out of bed and you're going to go do everything you've ever wanted to do that you could possibly do within those 24 hours. And then for some reason, 
when you go to bed that night, you put your head on the pillow and you go, am I satisfied with what I did with my day? And for some reason, you go to, you go to sleep fully expecting not to wake up the next day. And for some reason, your eyes open the next day and you're still here. So you go, all right, well, what do I do now? Well, I've got 24 hours left to live. I'm going to do everything I can with that day. And then the same thing happens the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. You are going to build an amazing life based upon how you fill up all those days. And it's, it's how you make the most of those moments that defines a great life. For me, I'm living in a bonus round. <laughs> Every day is a gift, you know? And, you know, for, for me to, to, to be laying in bed in January of 2011, trying to lift my head off a pillow, completely atrophied, to think, hey, why, why don't I just go for an Ironman one day? Why not? What's the worst that you got to lose? You know, you, you give it a shot. You give it an effort. You, you give it a try. And, you know, if you don't make it, you know, it's, it's not about that finish line. It's the journey all the way to it. I love that. Well, you know what, talking about that and the events. So now you're getting back and, you know, you're, you're on a lot of medication. You're trying to get yourself back in shape. Then you did your first 5K, wasn't it? Yeah, you did your first 5K. Went out there, walked and run. Uh, was it euphoria or was it like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't drop over on this course? Or what was going through the body and the mind? You know, <clears throat> everything I do, I'm just grateful to be there. I mean, you know, the, people joke and say, Derek, glad you're here. And I say, I'm grateful to be anywhere, you know. <laughs> and, and so I get out on a 5K run. I had never done a 5K prior to cancer, prior to heart failure, prior to transplant, eight months post-heart transplant. And I ran it with my dad. And I finished in 44 minutes. He finished, wow. you know, in an hour and a half or something, um, you know, and it wasn't an hour and a half, but I'll, I'll tease him every time I see him about it. <laughs> but, but I was grateful to be outside and I was grateful to be around other people who were active and healthy and doing all these amazing things. And I looked around me and I just admired what these people were doing because they didn't have to go through cancer and a heart, a heart transplant to do what they were doing. They were much smarter than I was. They were taking care of themselves. And, and if, if there's anything that my story can lend to other people, it's, it's we have one body. Most of us get one shot at life. I've been lucky enough to have three. But I'm here to tell you, don't be a dummy like I was and neglect your, the vehicle that you're traveling around in. Take care of it. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Even after 40 years on the microphone at thousands of events, welcoming hundreds of thousands of athletes to the finish lines, I am still in awe by the incredible endurance of each and every athlete and what you display. The physical exertion, the sweat, and the challenges you put your body through deserve a level of support that match your dedication. As the official medical supplier for the Ironman US Series, Curiad Performance Series lineups of wraps, tapes, bandages, supports, and braces give you, the serious athlete, and weekend warriors alike, the optimal support needed to keep moving, including new far infrared kinesiology tape technology 
which reduces energy made through body heat, back to targeted areas to help you heal faster and enhance performance. So don't you let sprains and muscle pain hold you back. Recover smarter and shop the entire Curad Performance Series on Amazon. So I'm thinking of the 5K, Derek. You went 44 minutes. Did you like pass anybody and go, hey, what, what's your problem? I died a couple of times and I, and I got a used heart. What? <laughs> I'm just thinking about you doing that. You know, what I saw a lot of people struggling out there and I, I, I struggled. Um, you know, it was, a, it was definitely a run walk for me. Um, but I was just, I was grateful to be out there I was happy to see the other people who were struggling out there that were still doing it, mm -hmm. you know, one foot in front of the other, they're going to get there. And so, um, you know, I, I, I tell people, and I saw a great quote the other day is that, you know, most people never go far enough in their first wind to realize that they have a second wind. So, you know, for me, I've, I've been able to push beyond a lot of that first wind and realize that there is a second wind and, and realize that there's this whole world out there and a whole life that's possible if you take care of yourself and you value these moments that we're given and, and, and you value the people who, who are in your life that you love and care for. I, lo I love that quote. We all should get to that second wind. We find out... You know, adversity introduces you to yourself. And I think that second wind is part of that adversity, you know. So Lake Placid, 2013, you came onto that oval. I can remember telling the crowd this story. I'd read about your story not long before the event. It was still kind of mind-boggling to me. And they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Went through cancer and chemo and then the heart went bad. And oh my gosh. And here you came in at like 16, 14. I looked up your time. Uh, it came through the Oval and you were an Ironman. Uh, were there other people in your life at that time that had doubts that you could even get halfway, get out of the water, anything like that? Um, I don't know. I, it really wasn't a discussion. I was laser focused. Um, it was all about training and all about the race. I, I myself did not know if I'd get out of the water. And I remember, you know, I remember being so thankful because there was the, the dinner, the banquet mm -hmm. before the race. And you were, you were nice enough and Ironman folks were nice enough to have me up on stage. You called me up and I run up on stage and you say, in case I don't get to say it later, Derek, you are an Ironman. And I was like, oh, thank God I, I heard him say it. Now, just in case, you know, it doesn't happen for me at the end of race day, because, you know, that that was that was mind blowing to me. And then I remember because Placid's a two loop swim. And I remember getting out of the water and running back up onto the shore after the first loop. And you caught me coming out of the water and you raised my hand over my head like I had just won a championship boxing fight or whatever. And you're like, Derek Fitzgerald, you will be an Ironman. I'm like, oh, I got to hear it again. Who knows if I'll make it past the second lap of the swim. So, you know, I've got it made. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm stubborn Irish. 
And so even if I am the slowest person out there, uh, I'm going to put my head down and keep going. And, and really, um, I had some friends who were cheering me on during the run on that night as it was getting darker and darker, you know, um, you know, and, uh, they're like, Derek, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. I mean, <laughs> there's never been a heart, a cancer surviving heart transplant to finish a full. Um, and I can't claim to be the first one until I actually cross that line. And, and then I did. And, and so it, it was great to see you and hear it for the third time, uh, on my first time out. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, you weren't that fast, but keep in mind, you're much faster than anybody who doesn't start. That's what I always tell everybody. Don't tell me how slow you are because there's a lot of people that don't get to the start line and you're a lot faster than they are. And then Derek Fitzgerald, you've got six Ironmans under your belt now. You do, do Kona in what, 2015 and coming in the granddaddy of them all, raised a lot of money. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that your journey has taken a lot of other people on a new journey. And that has to be inspiring to you. Whether you, whether you want to or not, you're an inspiration. And I think you know you are. But other people all of a sudden turn their lives around because they talk to and hear about Derek Fitzgerald. Yeah, I, I do get the messages. And I, I, I do get the, you know, the, I, there's a lot of people who, uh, after, after Kona, and a lot of people saw that, or, or after I did Placid, and I was fortunate enough to get featured on there, I became the guy at every, every following Ironman that I went to, I became the guy that no one recognized where they knew me, but they recognized my face. And they're like, have we ridden together? Like, have we done a group ride together? I'm like, yeah, yeah, probably. Where are you from? You know, Timbuktu? Yeah, yeah, that's probably me. Um, and and I, I don't like to get into the whole, you know, story while people are just trying to shop for socks right. at the expo. Um, but, yeah, no, it, there there are people who have found me on Facebook or found me on social media and, and they reach out and they say, you know what, it's because of you that I, I did my first Ironman or it's, it's because of you that I did my first 5K or, it's you know, um, I wasn't going to get a heart transplant. I was going to decline the surgery and I wasn't go- going to go on the list. But I heard your story. I got my transplant and I just did my first sprint triathlon. People have told you they they weren't going to get the transplant for whatever reason, and oh yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. I got a, I've got a a, a good buddy now who who lives down near Tampa, and um, yeah, I, I got a call from his his significant other, uh, and she said, I saw I, I competed with you uh, at St. Anthony's and I competed with you at uh, the, the 70.3, uh, in Florida. And, um, and my, 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 my partner is, has been told that he's going to go on the the transplant waiting list, but he doesn't know whether he wants to do it or not. Would you be willing to talk to him? Wow. And of course I, I talked to him and, and, uh, you know what? He's active. He's happy. He's healthy. He's an amazing guy, and he's here, you know, because he said yes, because he changed his mind, because he gave it that he allowed the opportunity to happen. 
Um, it's a brave decision, and I commend them for making it. Um, there's 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 too many of us that that decide not to give it a shot. There's there's a lot of hope. Yeah, it is. I won't say the word, but it is. It plays with you mentally, because as a transplant, someone who gets on the transplant waiting list, you have to hope to get as bad as you possibly can be in order to have any hope at a future life. And when you get to that point, it's, a, it's an extremely inverted mindset um, where you start seeing previews for movies that are coming out in three months and you're like, oh, I'm never going to see that. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, um, and so to allow hope for a future in, in, in your mind and to say, yes, I'm going to allow hope that I can get as bad as I can get for the opportunity that I survive the transplantation procedure, for the opportunity that I, that I get the smallest sliver of shot at life. And I'm going to allow that. It's like running a race, and you'd have you'd have to run backwards for half of it before you can go forward again. You can't even, you know, mentally. How do you how do you imagine that? I mean, nobody really does. But in life, like you did, that's that's what you had to do. I got a question for you. How, you know, all through COVID, the last fourteen months, was there any uh, issues where you were worried about, you know, your immune system or you taking a hit because of COVID? And you know, you're on lot of medications and were you worried about that or did you sequester yourself oh yeah i mean i've been sequestered but you know i am immunosuppressed i have to take immunosuppressants every 12 hours so that my body doesn't recognize this foreign thing in, in in my body you know that my body doesn't recognize this foreign heart and start attacking it so uh you know people joke that with transplants if we lean up against a wall where somebody was near it and sneezed, we're going to catch whatever they had. Um, but I did walk around with a mask prior to COVID. And I did, mm-hmm. you know, if, if someone did have the sniffles that I was going to go hang out with at their home or they were planning on coming over here, they had to say, hey, Derek, I've, I've, I've got a cold. I probably shouldn't come by. So the world that everybody lived with with COVID – it's the world that I've been living since January 3rd, 2011. Oh, just think that, that kind of puts it into perspective, young man. You know, the other thing that uh, you said, which has to be something you think about every day, because it is every day. It says you live every day like your donor is watching you. I, I, I You know how they say, if you want to be a great human, do things as if people are watching you. But yours goes way beyond that. One, I know people are wondering about it. Do you know who your donor was? I do not. Okay. I don't know. I've, I've written two letters to my donor family. Uh, I know they, they go through inter- intermediary channels. I know that they received them. Uh, the first one was to thank them for my life. Um, the second one, was to thank them for my life, thank them for the life of my daughter, who was born after my transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, in that second one, I, I sent them my medal from Kona. And I said, I know this probably doesn't mean much to you, 
but there's only one in the world like this and it's the least I can do. So Wow, you sent them your Kona medal. Did you get a response after that? No. No. No, speaking of your daughter, you know, uh, as I said earlier, just finishing what you started is the best lesson we can teach ourselves, but also one of the best lessons we can teach our kids. What do you want her to... She thinks you're just the regular dad and all that good stuff, but what would you really like to leave for her so that she... 40 years from now, you know, my dad told me this and it's true. I just want her to have an appreciation for life. I want her to know that there are, there are doctors and nurses and friends and, and loved ones that went out of their way to make it possible for me to survive in order to give her a chance at even being a glimmer in my eye. Um, and, and so that there's, there's the likelihood that she was going to be born is like less than that. Yeah. Um, and she's a walking miracle. Uh, she's a legacy of my donor's gift, uh, that just keeps giving every day to me, to her. Um, and, and to, to realize that, there are going to be things in life that do not go her way. But it, it's, it's, uh, it's up to her to work through those things and to make the best of that, that she can with them. Well, your donor is watching, and I know your donor is smiling. That's just amazing. Hey, tell us about your 24-hour on the bike, okay? It's coming up uh, the end of May. For Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, what's that all about? Okay, so uh, it's called the 156 over 24 Challenge. Um, and I, I'll, I'll back up by saying that part of this, this effort of earning the gift is giving back uh, to, to in as many ways and as often as I possibly can. So the 156 over 24 Challenge, 156 represents the number of people in the United States who die every day from blood cancers. 24 being 24 hours in the day. And so I got it in my crazy, gluttonous, uh, masochistic brain that I should ride for 24 hours straight. Um, and, and in honor of the, the, the people who have made it, of our survivors, and, and in memory of the people who haven't. Um, and so I'm going to try and – it's it's for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society um, every – uh, every penny raised goes to them. Uh, I'm going to do a broadcast uh, on May 22nd, May 23rd, just as social proof. But I'm going to watching me ride my bike on a on a, a trainer for 24 hours is going to be boring as mud. So <laughs> I'm going to be before that day. I'm going to be interviewing uh, cancer survivors, cancer champions, uh, and and talking about their stories um, because it's 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 not about me. It's about everybody else. And and so. You know, the goal is to show, you know, as much positivity and, and success and triumph over cancer uh, as we can over that 24-hour 24 24 hour period of time. And I'm asking people to join me. I'm asking people to create their own teams. They don't have to ride for 24 hours straight like me, but if they want to have eight people that ride for three hours each, then fantastic. And, and so... Um, and whatever that breakdown is, they can join me. 
They can watch. They can call in. They can be on the show. Uh, and and we'll, we'll make a day of it. Well, in a minute, we'll tell everybody where they come to, to watch that. But are you riding all inside? Are you doing combo inside, outside? What are you doing? Well, because I'm, I'm doing a broadcast, you I'm going to be in. doing it inside. Okay. You know, it's going to be easier to have cameras and microphones and if I'm interviewing people. So I'll be, uh, I'll be on the Peloton here, you know, and, uh, and just making the most of it. I love it. I love it. Derek? The final question on Find Your Finish Line, this section is titled Tri-Table Racing. Sitting around the tri-table after the event, reminiscing about the race, you know how we all do. You know, hey, what about you? Did, did you get up that hill? Did, did that guy pass you? I mean, everybody's always BSing about the race. So tri-table racing. Give us your memory, your best memory from your last race. Best memory from my last race. Um, or any race, whatever memory. We're sitting around the table. You can tell us, heck, you can tell us anything you want. We believe it. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, it, it, it comes from Kona. And I, had, uh, I, had, I was aware of this gentleman uh, before I got there. He had done, I don't know, 24, 25 attempts at Kona. He was an older guy. Goes <laughs> is. It goes by Iron Lou, Lou Hollander. And uh, I had just finished coming back from Javi and and about to make the right back on the Queen K. And Lou was on my tail. And he starts talking to me. And and he's like, uh, he's like, I don't suppose you can go any faster. And I'm like, Lou. And Lou's, by the way, everybody, Lou's in his 80s, right? I mean, he's in his 80s. Yeah, Lou's in his 80s. I'm like, Lou, if you want to pass me, feel free, buddy. I mean, <laughs> go ahead. There's not too many people out here with us. And he's like, well, you know, we're going up this hill, and this is a tough hill, and I've I've done this race before. I don't know if you know if I've done this race before. I was like, yeah, Lou, I know you've done the race before. <laughs> and and so he's like, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up to this this one part, and then I'm going to walk the rest of the way up the hill. And I'm like, Lou, you do you, buddy. I'm going to just put my head down and keep cranking the pedals. And I, you know, I hear him stop. I hear him pull over. I'm, I got my head down. I'm cranking. And uh, next thing you know, I get to the top of the hill. And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, Lou just smokes me. <laughs> smokes me to the point. I mean, it's a long straightaway but dropped me to the point where I can no longer see him. I love and, it. and I thought about that. And, uh, you know, when they, when they talk about who can do an Ironman, you know, Ironman, yeah, there are, there are freaks of nature out there that can do an Ironman and, you know, three and a half hours and, you know, they call it a day, you know, but maybe seven hours, uh, because they're just amazing physical specimens. But for everybody who's not a physical specimen, Iron Man is is you know seventy five percent inspiration, two percent uh, physical ability, and three thousand percent mental attitude and 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 just just mindset. And and Lou proved that to me that day. Um, and uh, and and I, luckily I was able to catch up to Lou on the run 
because he smoked me bad on the bike. And I caught, on, caught up to him on the run, and, and we ran for a couple miles side by side. And I just got a little bit of that perspective from him. And, uh, and it, it just it proved to me that anything's possible, man. And it's, it's just having the right mindset and, uh, and be, being willing to follow through on making it happen. Well, Derek, uh, thank you very much for your time. And, and uh, you do have the right mindset. And maybe that's what it's all about. You know, you create that mindset for yourself and keep it positive, And you keep getting to those finish lines every day of your life. And you've done that. So, by the way, Derek, so how can people follow you or follow you in the, the 24 hours or, or get a hold of you? Give us uh, the information with that on social media. They can hit me on my website or, or on Facebook. Both of them are the, are the same, or, or Instagram even, recycledmanspeaks.com. So if you go to recycledmanspeaks.com, uh, you can donate to the, to the cause. You can join me on the ride. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can do the same thing off of Recycled Man Speaks Facebook or Instagram. All right. Fantastic, everybody. There it is for Derek. Hopefully you can be a part of his Recycled Man Speaks And his story, it is inspirational. Thanks a lot, buddy. Well, hey, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us on Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman. By the way, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to become notified of upcoming shows. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or right from my website at MikeRiley.net. Everybody, I can't wait to see you at the events and yell at you when you come across that line. As always, my warmest aloha.